two huge issues that it's it's coping with at the moment. Jill, what's your what's your sense of how they're doing? I mean, I, I, let's put aside the communication for a minute. Just on the substance, what is your sense? They're clearly big problems in quite a lot of the things that they are trying to do. So you mentioned both COVID and Brexit. On the COVID side, we clearly have something going awry with this test and trace system, which was supposed to be the way in which we manage through the autumn without heading for another national lockdown. And yeah, ministers keep on saying it's about to be it's sorted, it's about to be sorted, but it's clearly gone back. The Prime Minister has now upped the ambition yet again by the end of October. At the same time, and just today, we've heard, you know, there are logistics UK are worried that one of the critical bits of the IT systems that they need, a thing called the smart freight service that they need to be in place to manage the border at uh, on the 31st of uh, December, deal or no deal, uh, may go live only in mid-December in beta form, which doesn't sound desperately reassuring. The best the Prime Minister could do when he was pressed on this at the Liaison Committee this afternoon saying, well, we, yeah, this will be as sort of good as possible. That's what we're aiming for, uh, rather than being able to give reassurances. So these are two huge, big tasks that the government is doing in parallel. And that really is a major stretch, even on a very experienced, top performing government. And this government clearly is not there yet. It's still a very inexperienced government, not spend that much time actually governing uh, doesn't necessarily, you know, have its best cabinet ministers in place. It exited a lot of experience when Boris Johnson came in. So I think it is really struggling on some of these administrative things. But I don't think you can divorce it like you did, Evan, from the communications. Well, I, I, I things, yeah, because I wanted you to, I wanted you to just get to that separately. Yeah, go on then. Tell us what, a quick word on comms. Yeah. So my big word on comms is that this is a government that is addicted to announcing first and thinking about implementation second. And that is why we see this ever-growing gap that the way in which they counter a problem that something isn't quite working is to set an even more ambitious objective and then fall even further short. So I think that is a real problem, that they will test the slogan, decide the slogan plays well, but they don't think in advance, actually, if we set ourselves that goal, do we actually think we can make it happen? And they're falling down time and time again on the basics of implementation. The expectations management, is it, it does seem to, to, to be appalling. Harry, come on, critique what Jill's just said. Do you agree with that? Is that a, a I reason? Do, I do agree to a certain sense. Obviously, this isn't the first government ever to uh, <laughs> to come up with a good idea, announce it, and then work out how to pay for it or, or make it work. What I will say is, though, that I think this is a government that its key members have really cut their teeth and their success in campaign mode. This is a team forged as the outsiders in a referendum who won. Boris Johnson was down and out, uh, you know, languishing on the back benches last year. And that same team won, you know, got in the Tory leadership election. And then they were into another campaign in a way, a sort of campaigning government, but the the, the run-up to the deal last year, and then the campaign to get a general election. And then there was a sort of month where they talked about domestic issues um, and what they were going to do and actually how they were going to govern. Um, and that was January. And then they sort of went into another campaign mode uh, in the early days of COVID, seeing it, seeing that as a sort of the enemy, the, the opposition was the virus. But I think that's where the, the sort of endless... Yeah campaign mode sort of hit the rocks slightly and Harry, actually you, you can't you can't campaign against a, a virus it's not like defeating no, like, an idea or a political party. Mm. Harry do you think they've got the A-team in the cabinet at the moment? 
Because many people say you look at the chairs of the, the select committees and they look much better than some of the ministers in government. Well, I mean, you know, I, I, I'm quite sympathetic to quite a lot of people in the cabinet and the loudest noises about how rubbish the cabinet are come from former cabinet ministers sacked by Boris Johnson. You know, you only have to endlessly read uh, our, our, our pundit friends and our columnists to see that the most critical quotes always come from a former cabinet minister, a former cabinet minister, and we all know who they are. We all know who the really noisy ones are and they've never been really resigned to Boris Johnson's leadership. So I think we can. Uh, I think there's, you know, again, find me a government where cabinet hasn't been uh, accused of being rubbish by the people who used to do the job. <laughs> All right. So, Jill, they did try to reorganise very recently, actually, the way Whitehall works. They've set up a kind of mission control in the cabinet office, uh, taken it out of Downing Street, put a, a, a bigger open plan office. Do we have any idea whether this is working? Was that something when you were in Downing Street would have seemed like a good idea? Uh, there weren't that many of us when I was in Downing Street. And uh, no, whatever we did, we didn't think we could run the government from Downing Street with even the rather more staff that they have there now. You can't really do that. You have to work with departments. But the bit that I do sympathise, actually, with the people in Downing Street, it was quite often very difficult to get departments onto the prime minister's agenda. You always felt you were waging a bit of a war of attrition when you would say this is really important to the prime minister. No, I mean, it's really important to the prime minister. Uh, and he really wants your secretary of state to do something about it. So so I sympathise with that. But I think one of the questions about all these reorganisations, um, that one, I think, bringing together bits of the cabinet office, bits of number 10, putting them all together in this mission control, it's a bit like the thing Gordon Brown did when he sat in that giant horseshoe. The big difference, actually, is they seem to have left Boris Johnson behind in Downing Street and just brought the sort of staff together rather than the Prime Minister there too. I think the big difference, you know, one of the things that I do think is is a bit mad is that on this test and trace, they are trying to reorganise all of that. We had this big announcement in August by Matt Hancock that they were going to do, a, you know, this reorganisation of getting rid of Public Health England, bringing it together with test and trace, and they would put Dido Harding who's supposed to be in charge of making this test and trace work, in charge of creating this new organisation. One of the things that uh, anyone who's worked in government knows is machinery of government changes, do them sparingly. They're not usually a solution to things, but if you do do them, you need to reckon that actually you are trading short-term disorganisation, destruction and chaos for some longer-term prize. Right. Do bad bad timing on, on, on that one, uh, Jill. Um, Jill Rutter? Harry Cole, lots to, to think about.